Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. I'm your host, Charlie Wright, and very pleased to have you today. And today is November 21st, 2014, and Paul is going to be asking some uh, poignant questions here. What Paul? would you like to talk about? You come up with the most fascinating ideas, and I am just I feel like I'm just the everyman with my ear against the, the door here, listening in on these high-level alternative ideas here, and I'm always fascinated to, to hear what's on your mind. What, what do you want to talk about today? Well, Paul, today we're going to talk about a subject that most people don't know much about at all in the world of investing, and that is closed-end funds. I thought you were going to talk, I thought the, the subject was going to be making money, because I don't know anything about making money in the world of investments. <laughs> well, closed-end funds are all about making money. They're not well-known in the marketplace, yet they offer substantial benefits in the right situation, especially in today's low-yield environment. There are over 650 closed-end funds in the marketplace, managing about $200 billion in assets, and about two-thirds of those are income-generating fixed-income funds. However, not a lot is known about closed-end funds. Never heard of them before. Okay, so let's start with their opposite, open-end funds. All right. Open-end funds, are the that's the statutory name for mutual funds. Hmm. So we all know mutual funds. They manage money. They get money from investors. You invest your money with them, and then when you want, you redeem that, and you take the money out. And they have some specified strategy or sector or something that they focus on. That's correct. They have a mission statement, and they are typically close to always being fully invested. They're buy and hold. However, they always are going to have redemptions because people are always going to be getting out of their fund for one reason or another. Is that what they call load factors and stuff too? No, no, that's that's not part of that at all. Okay. They're just people who have money in a mutual fund and they need to get it out. Okay. Whether it's $10,000 or $100,000 or whatever amount it is. And so you're dealing directly with the mutual fund and there's no limit as to how much money they can collect and manage. Okay. Closed-end funds have some unique and differentiating features from open-end funds. First of all, with closed-end funds, they open with a finite number of shares. So they only open with so many shares, and once people have bought those shares, that's it. It's closed. Hmm, okay. okay. So no more shares. Thereafter, all of those shares are traded on an exchange from buyer to seller. Ah. And so it's no longer sending the money to the mutual fund. It's buying those shares from somebody who currently owns them. 
Is that anything? Now, again, I'm going to ask a dumb question. Berkshire Hathaway, is that sort of what they No, Berkshire said? Hathaway is a mutual fund. You don't know any closed-end fund names. Okay. Okay, you don't know any. And and they're they're more typically known by their ticker symbol than they are by their names. Okay. So, number one, they issue a finite number of shares. And what that means is they can manage that more productively because they don't have to worry about how many redemptions there are going to be. Oh, I So, see. for example, PIMCO has had a ton of redemptions after Bill Gross's exit over the past few weeks. So they have to sell assets. They have to keep a certain amount in reserve. All of that is very resource-consuming for them. And they don't know how much cash they need to keep on hand. They have to sell at times they don't want to have to sell because they have these redemptions of people where they need to send them back That's a good point. They didn't want to sell, but people want out. So they've got to get them back. That's right. Whereas with a closed-in fund, that's never going to happen because all of the money is in the fund and they know exactly how much they have to manage so they can manage the full hundred percent. And if I want to get rid of my, if I want my money back out of it, I sell my share to somebody. On an exchange, like the New York Stock Exchange or something like that. Okay. Number two, uh, closed-in funds typically use leverage, so they borrow money in order to invest more. A mutual fund cannot do that, mm-hmm. but uh, the maximum leverage that a, a uh, closed-in fund can use is 33%, and most of them use that 33%, especially the fixed-income ones. Okay. And so that creates additional risk, but it creates additional opportunity. I was going to say, does that make it riskier? Because, no, they they borrowed money um, to... To make their investments. It does make it riskier, but what it does is they borrow money at short-term rates, which are lower, and they invest in longer-term rates, which are higher. Hmm. And so in most years, in most situations, they make money by doing that. Through that spread. That's right, through the spread. Uh, Number three, most closed-end funds distribute monthly, distribute money either monthly or quarterly. So for people who want a distribution of income and they want to count on a consistent distribution, they can go into a closed-end fund and know they're going to get money, let's say, monthly. And as opposed to a open-end fund, I don't, I don't remember. An open-end fund, it's usually every six months. Right. But a closed-end fund is typically focused on income. So that distribution is consistent, and it's higher than a typical bond fund or fixed income fund would be. Mm. So typically, the monthly distribution that comes is going to be double or more of the income that is generated through a fixed income or bond type of mutual fund. And you know that you can count on that. My father, when my late father loved to buy stocks that had Dividends, you know, because then it was he didn't care what was happening. He was just at least getting some income off of the dividend. That's correct. The problem is that dividends are typically one, two percent, maybe two and a half percent. Right. Okay. And then ones that are higher than that, there are typically reasons why the dividend is higher than that, and there's some disadvantages there. Okay. With closed end funds, we're talking about dividends that are easily eight, nine, ten percent, sometimes more. So we're talking about a much higher cash flow. And the final way that they are differentiated here is that they are purchased at a discount or at a premium. So in other words, if the net asset value, which is the value of all the assets held in the fund. If the, the So mutual funds have those, and when you buy into a mutual fund, you always buy at net asset value, mm-hmm. and you sell at net asset value with a very slight spread there, buy Makes and sense. sell yeah. spread. Okay, But that's not the case with closed-end funds. With closed-end funds, you're buying and selling according to the marketplace, according to supply and demand. 
And so you are buying at either more than net asset value, which is a premium, or less than net asset value, which is a discount. So people think this is fund is going to go up, and therefore they'll pay a premium to, to own a share of it here. Well, that's not exactly how it works, but, but depending upon how popular it is and for other reasons, it can be sold at a premium, but typically they're sold at a discount. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is all what you always want to do. You're buying at a discount. Right. I mean, who doesn't want to buy at a discount? I do. So now you are buying assets for less than their full value. And so most closed-end funds are purchased at less than than uh, the full value. Okay. Is it a substantial discount, a slight discount? Or? A slight discount, but right. we're talking about often 5 to 10%. Okay. You know, so, I mean, it's worth getting people's attention here. Okay. It can be a little higher, but then why is that discount so high? That That's that what raises that question. Yeah. Okay, and so typically maybe they're not paying as strong a dividend, so they're paying a lower dividend, so the discount is higher. Okay, um, so there, there are different reasons for that. Okay. But typically, they can be bought at discount. So the net result of all of this, okay, is that closed-end funds pay a higher dividend or distribution amount than most other fixed-income investments. And so for people looking for income, this can be a distinct advantage. And you're saying they pay it on a monthly or a, a, a more regular basis than a, than a regular mutual fund? Typically is. monthly or quarterly. Right. Okay, and so what they do is, let, let's say somebody is going to retire, and they know that they need, uh, you know, two thousand dollars a month out of their investment. Right. Well, they can see that the monthly distribution, let's say, just to make it simple, well, let's say is ten percent. Okay, so the uh, the the annual distribution is ten percent, and they're distributing monthly, so they know exactly how much to invest in order to generate two thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, whereas if they go out and buy bonds, whatever kind of bonds that they they may buy, they're going to get half of that distribution rate, if not less. So, for example, municipal bonds. You buy a municipal bond fund. Okay, it's going to pay a certain amount. Okay, a, a low amount, yeah. okay, because it's tax-free and because yields are low right now. You buy a closed-end fund, mutual fund, uh, mutual bond, uh, municipal bond fund. <laughs> I'm getting even you confused here. Yes, right, right? that's right. <laughs> a, a municipal bond, a closed-end fund, you, you can easily generate 6 8% really? you know, in return and, and tax-free which you cannot do in a regular mutual fund. Why? Because they're using leverage, okay, because they've got these finite shares and it's managed more productively, okay, because it can be purchased at a discount, okay, and and, uh, other reasons as well. So what's the downside? The downside. That is perfect, Paul. The downside is, number one, because they are bought and sold in the open marketplace, they're subject to the whims of the market, and the value of the funds can be very volatile, Mm. much more volatile than most fixed-income investments. For example, in the year 2008, when the funds, uh, when the market declined so precipitously, Mm -hmm. uh, many of these uh, closed-end funds were down 50%. Oh, wow. Okay, so when when you're trying to eke out an extra 3 or 4% per year in income, and they're down 50%, you're feeling pretty stupid. Yeah. Okay, now, they eventually came back, as stocks did, 
okay, but it took some time, and they were still generating strong income in the meantime. However, they are volatile. They are much more volatile in the price. Now, typically, that doesn't mean that the income is necessarily affected. The income can still be consistent. But sometimes the income is also affected, as it was in 2008. And and you said something interesting in one of your other shows. I'm not sure I really got my head around it. And maybe this fits that category. Maybe it doesn't. But the underlying value of what they're buying can go down, but they still are generating the same amount of income? Yeah, yeah. It's just like owning a home and you rent it out to somebody. The price of that home may rise and fall over the years, but the rent that you're collecting from the renters is consistent. Got it. You see? That makes sense. Okay. And so what they're distributing is consistent. Now, that brings us to the second point, however. This monthly distribution or quarterly distribution that we're talking about, the dividend that they're paying, right? sometimes they will pay out a higher dividend than they are actually earning, which means they are really... <laughs> They are what? really returning a portion of principal. Yeah. But they do that because they know that people invest in these funds for consistent income. And so they want to demonstrate that they can get consistent income with this fund. But even if the, they have to cannibalize themselves. Even if they have bit. to cannibalize it to, you know, a small degree. That doesn't right. mean the full amount that they send out. Okay, was cannibalized, but a portion of it can be. However, the good news is that those who do research on these closed-end funds can figure out, can look into the fund and figure out if they did return a portion of principal during particular months. Because they can figure out what were the earnings compared to the distribution. So the two questions that come to my mind is, one, how do I hear about these things? And two, how do I buy them? Well, that's correct. Well, it's not for the for the person who's never looked at closed-end funds before. Right. They're uh, almost always bought by investment advisors who know how to evaluate them and can and and, can to, and, to, and to peel it back and see what you got and when you look when you when you get the skin off. What's it look like underneath here? Exactly. So you can't just look at the dividend and say, "Oh, they're paying a fourteen percent dividend. This is better than a." Then an 8% dividend. Well, not necessarily, because they may be returning returning a portion uh, in, in principle. Yeah. And the third fact to remember... And the theory is they can't do that forever, right? That's correct. And the third fact to remember here, Paul, is that they're leveraged. And so there are certain environments where leverage is not going to work to their favor. It's going right. to work to their detriment. Like you're talking about interest rates going up or something, Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. So those are the downsides for closed-end funds. How many of them are there? Are there millions of these? No, they're, they're, and as I stated in the beginning, there are six, about 650 closed-end funds. So, Paul, why don't we stop for just a minute okay. and take a break here. Let's do that. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com.
All right, Charlie's got my head spinning again here. We're talking closed end funds here today. You want to summarize what what are we talking about with closed end funds? Give us a quick overview again. Well, again, Paul, uh, closed end funds are about six hundred and fifty of them, and uh, they total about two hundred billion dollars. So they're really a fraction of the size of the mutual fund marketplace, but they are especially productive. They can be especially productive for people looking for consistent income, and that's typically what closed-end funds are looking for. But you can't just look at their dividend and can say that one's 14%, this one's 8 They might be paying some of the principal back to keep that up, or they might be highly leveraged, or they might... There's other variables to look at in this thing, right? They are. However, most of them are leveraged at the maximum of 33%, Okay, especially the, the fixed income ones. So they're leveraged there. So that's not so much the part to look at. The the, the, the things to look at is, uh, first of all, are they um, are they returning a portion of principal? Right. That That's the primary uh, thing to look at, and, and as well as the underlying company. Who would buy this then? Somebody who's retired, who wants... Uh, a, a guaranteed return income. Well, there are two types of people that would buy them. One is somebody who wants guaranteed return income, of course. Uh, again, the risk is that they have a highly volatile price, right? Okay, or more volatile price. Might be than buying bonds it. At, are going. Might be buying in at a discount, or you might be buying in at a premium here. That's correct, and and even if you do. Um, you, 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 the, the price can, can, can vary widely, whereas with bonds uh, and other fixed income investments, it doesn't vary as widely. Okay. So you're creating the risk on the price. On the other hand, some people say, look, I'm going, what I want is the income. So I'm going to hold this for a period of years. How has it done over the past five years? Well, for the past five years, it's done very well. Mm-hmm. There's a long list of closed-end funds that are worth as much or more today as they have been in the over the past years, but who have consistently generated and paid out 8, 10 plus percent per year. Then last question, why are these such a secret? Why do, not, why do we not know about these in the general investing community as well as other things? Uh, they have never been overly popular. Companies like uh, Nuveen, BlackRock, uh, and others who really focus on fixed income investments, they have closed-end funds. They typically charge about 1% per year for managing those funds. And uh, they do that uh, very productively. However, uh, they have never really caught on that much in the market. Not the flavor of the month here. Yeah, not at all. Okay. Well, if people want to learn more about this interesting, not often discussed uh, segment of uh, the market of this type of investment, how do they learn more? Well, they learn more, uh, one, we'd be happy to send them information if they just email us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. Or number two, I would uh, send people to the uh, Nuveen um, website. Spell that. N-U-V-E-E-N. They are the biggest uh, municipal bond uh, fund manager in the world. Any books or publications that uh, focus on this? You know, I, I, I don't think so. We'll um, have to research that and see if there are maybe somebody listening knows of one and they can write yeah, in and tell and us about it. and they can write in and tell us about it. But Nuveen has some uh, very good YouTube videos 
on closed-end funds and Love a lot those. of good information on closed-end funds. And right. again, we have a lot of good information on closed-end funds. As always, thank you, Charlie, for opening our eyes to lots of alternative strategies and ideas out there. It isn't just about buying and holding stuff anymore. you got to be a little more involved, it seems like, and that's what you're recommending, and that's what we're learning how to do here. Paul, my pleasure, and very pleased to add uh, some additional information for our listeners' uh, investment portfolio information. Okay. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.